GrowCFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. So this week we've got two guests. I'm joined by Phil Walker and Jeff Fletcher, both from an organization called Metrics. Gentlemen, welcome to the GrowCFO show. Thanks, Kevin. Good afternoon. Glad, glad to be on. Yeah. So, Phil, we've known each other for a little while. You're a graduate of GrowCFO's future CFO program. So, Phil, before you, you sort of came along to, and we got to know each other and you did the program, what were you up to? Why did you come along and do the program? Uh, so I've had a, a fairly typical in-house career uh, up through various uh, finance departments across a, a range of industries. But around about the beginning of uh, 2020, so I'm just getting my years uh, correct, uh, just before the first lockdowns, I was uh, part of a business that was acquired. And through that acquisition, there were a number of initiatives that obviously uh, required uh, a lot of resource to, to be delivered over the first couple of years. But ultimately, the business got around to restructuring its finance teams. And so I was, uh, having been there for a number of years, was, was interested in looking around uh, outside the company, knew that I wanted to make a step forward in terms of my development and career and came across the, the Grow CFO channel and network through Dan, its founder, really liked the principles of a very practical um, platform and community of like-minded peers to get ideas from. And so there was no sort of specific need at that particular point. I knew that my role and position was going to be evolving and wanted to supplement my skills and the Grow CFO program and membership seemed to fit the bill. But you completed the program and suddenly you'd formed a brand new organization. So you, you hadn't become a, a CFO as such with one organization. You you stepped off with Jeff and Metrics. In parallel, things were kind of happening in parallel. So yes, the, the organization was going through its its uh, merger, you know, that that's a, a difficult process and the transition was taking a long time inevitably as as those things do multinational acquisition and, and merger and so there was a, a relatively long period of, of change measured in, in years and months and so knowing that things were going to change on on a personal level I began the program and joined up but actually during whilst I was a part of the program in fact I think before we even got to module two I found myself leaving the the organization and at the same time, again, in parallel, I was having conversations with with Jeff, who was actually in a similar, not identical, but similar situation, rekindled an idea that we had uh, joked about really in the past when we previously worked together. Perhaps we could do something ourselves in terms of setting up a business, providing the sorts of services that we wanted to, that we'd honed our skills in. but. On as an external consulting support company into businesses, so there was kind of three things going on in in parallel. And so throughout the time that that I've I've known you, Kevin, the 
obviously the grow cfo program has been the focus and we've evolved through that but um yeah it probably would have been around module two or three that, that i actually left my in-house role and in parallel we had set up metrics as a company and and so there was there's a lot going on through the beginning of uh 2022 so jeff how did you get to know phil in the first place so phil and i have known each other for 15 years we started we started working together basically uh, i joined travelodge phil was already there um so we worked together there for a few years and we stayed in touch as friends and then we came together again for a company called SaaS, software company yeah uh, and we're there for a bit longer so yeah we've known each other it must almost be 15 years to the day actually as i'm looking at the date today um yeah just been friends we've been friends and colleagues know that we can work together and as phil said we were we'd had these ideas we had conversations like all good ideas and all good companies it came it came over a pint um all the best ideas come over a pint absolutely yeah so, so yeah we were having a pint having a bit of lunch had a conversation about it and discovered that we were both feeling similar things about, I guess, our corporate roles and where next and, and what we wanted to do. Yeah, we kind of thought, why not? So tell me, what exactly does metrics do then, Jeff? The metrics is effectively, I guess you could say we're an accounting practice, but in truth, what we offer is fractional FD or CFO, uh, as well as FP&A as a service, so the financial planning and analysis. And that was initially that was uh, that was our thought process was the coming from a corporate background. You're both doing twenty plus years in a corporate world, particularly on the FP&A side. Was a recognition that actually all of those all those wonderful things that you can do with management information um, and forecasting and so on exists in a big company, but it's it's very hard to get your hands on it when you're a smaller company, even though you have a need for it. Yeah. This isn't really the sort of thing that, that a, a firm of accountants would traditionally do. They're all about preparing your accounts, preparing your tax return, submitting yeah, yeah. to the appropriate authorities so that you tick the box once a year. So yeah, yeah. The, 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 I think, Jeff, yeah, the initial focus of metrics was very much on that, that FB&A side and, and providing a commercial finance support function or outsourced resource to a smaller enterprise where they hadn't reached a scale through which they could invest in those sorts of toolkits or resources or headcount them themselves. It's not justifiable and until you've got to a certain scale. But you know, actually businesses of that size, it's almost more important to they're they're much more sensitive to particular customer base shocks or economic shocks. So there's kind of this disparity between, you know, where the skills sit and where and the companies that actually can access them. I, I'd, I'd probably go further and, and say that the, the talent market over the last five years has made that even harder for, for SMEs and, and companies lower down the scale size because the competition for talent means that in order to get good FPNA practitioners, you, you have to pay hefty salaries and it's only really the corporate environment and larger enterprises who can who can justify that so there was kind of this desire to continue providing those key commercial finance skills and business partnering skills lots lots of the modules that we you know obviously touch on throughout the growth cfo program um providing those skills but then to businesses who not only really need them but are really appreciative and extremely 
interested in utilizing and that can really shape and form a business when it's much younger, much smaller in terms of its future strategic path. So many of the listeners will know what FP&A does in a relatively big organization. Mm. What sort of analysis would you be doing for one of your typical clients? Well, typical is an interesting word, I guess, because I think there's no such thing as typical, is there? <laughs> no, and, and that's what makes it quite an interesting space to be in, if I'm honest. So I guess what we'd say to that is we've both been finance directors in our own right, but we special, we've both specialised in FP&A during our career. So that's kind of, that's almost our, our USP, if you like, is that going into these companies, and typically our client size tends to be 10 to 20 million or so turnover. Yeah, that's a scale-up kind of organisation that you know, uh, it's because touched on. They've got that need for it and, and the need for growth. And a lot of those businesses are in a period of transition because of the size they've reached, or they're considering investment opportunity to grow further, or they're looking at exit. So, from an FP&A perspective, depending on which end of the scale they're at, you helping them put the basics in because they don't really have a clear budgeting forecasting cycle or they've got information in the business but they don't know what to do with it or how to extract it out of the system or how to turn it into insight and, and translate it or they've got yeah, I mean, consultants or investors that they're talking to and engaging with but they've realised that they're lacking the insight and the, the information that they need to engage in and converse with them in, in an appropriate manner so a lot of it is on those scales and I guess coupled with, with the fractional FD piece that we do, it's also ensuring that everything else financially is where it should be in terms of the control and the governance that's in place within the business. Yeah. Would, would any of your clients tend to have an FD or CFO of their own? Or is that something that's missing in the organisation completely? Tends to be uh, absent, no. So some finance resource in some clients, but actually that's that's not a given in more than one case. Almost the, the general office administration partnering with a bookkeeper, partnering with an external accountant sort of yeah. fills the, the transactional side of the, of the void. And, and then one of the directors takes the primary ownership of the relationship with an accountant, external accountant. So well, that takes me back to my days in audit. That would be the typical setup. Bookkeeper, yeah. you're going in to do the accounts as the account in practice. There's nobody that really has the senior fi- financial skills in the business. I, I completely get that. So. It was interesting you pulled out the FBNA term. And actually, that that in those sorts of businesses, that's not a well understood term. So I'm, I'm certain most of the listeners to the show are well versed in, in it. And I think at some of our early days, uh, metrics of talking to prospects if we were talking to a prospect who understood fpna they were already a business big enough to afford fpna themselves or you were talking to an experienced finance director who probably had their own views on what team they wanted to to build underneath them because owner founder or or board type of directors of of smaller businesses don't didn't really understand that term it was actually a, a real hurdle for us to get over so we've stopped talking about FBNA to businesses. We just don't use the term because yeah. I'm not surprised. Not, not surprised at all. That resonates uh, at all. In, instead, we or I certainly talk much more about connecting connecting strategy to detailed planning 
So uh, you also asked uh, in terms of what what are these businesses actually looking for and or wanting from their FPN? It's they might well have strategic targets, and there are many business coach type organisations out there who've had influences over boards, and and they they want to run their businesses in certain ways. But there's a lack of structure between what the the five year uh, strategic goal might be. And actually what that means for the business on a granular department basis over the next two years or, yep. or what the, the capital or, or cash requirements for achieving some of those targets might be. More than once, I think I've, I've laid out that yearly step-by-step plan for people in terms of, well, if you're here today and that's your goal in five years, then this is the, what the progression would need to look like. And you really see light bulbs go on in terms of how often quite how much of a stretch some of those those targets that they've set themselves are. I think weirdly, the, the FP&A hurdle, as Phil describes it, was like is a steep learning curve for us setting up our company because we went out to sell FP&A to people we knew needed FP&A. They didn't know what FP&A was. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think that's kind of then evolved into the fractional finance director and CFO piece because that wasn't wasn't strictly on our radar when we set out actually but no it's a more effective means of marketing ourselves and our business into clients because the, there's a recognition that they need that financial leadership and actually when you start having those conversations and that engagement there's a recognition that they need better planning better analysis but yeah to the point we made it they just don't have they don't recognize it in the term that you would when you're coming out of a larger corporation so quite and there's got to be a case of you don't know what you don't know. So mm. it's missing, but you don't really know that it's missing. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go about marketing your services? <laughs> Inevitably, professional contacts, professional networks. There's the ubiquitous LinkedIn, obviously, for staying in touch with everybody that you've ever worked with. So there's a lot of engagement through former colleagues, through former contacts, or, or perhaps people that you've worked within in other organizations on projects delivering uh, systems i'm mean, a, a feature of my career has has been working with a number of implementation organizations on various migrations or implementations of erps or analytics tools and and so those are the sorts of people who are obviously then engaging with further organizations and potentially seeing gaps in their resourcing Mm. It's challenging because we're after, you know, we're accountants ultimately, we're not salespeople. So yeah. we're learning curve. You know, how, how do you do this? How do you sell yourself? Um, and how do you sell your services? But the biggest challenge we've got, you know, it's supposed to you, you network and you engage with people, you talk to them, but finding the people that are actually aiming at, because that that SME space, that you know, those, those businesses that are in the know, sub 50 million bracket, they're out there, they're they're everywhere, they're rough, but Getting in front of them, finding where they hang out—that's yeah. <laughs> challenging. That's, quite, it's, quite. Just so. finding that initial lead. I mean, your your own network only goes so far, mm. and I think it, it's a really, really interesting challenge. That when when we've been trained to be accountants all our lives, we've developed skills in researching data, producing reports, producing information for people we know. Going and trying to produce information for people we don't know, don't know where they sit, 
is a huge, huge challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So have you managed so far to find enough clients to fill your service up? We've hit a point in the last couple of months where we're properly busy. I think you probably yeah. described it as. Um, it's taken a while. It's taken yeah. a little while. Has it taken a while? I mean, we've been trading. We started trading this year, basically the beginning of this year, or well, very end of last year. Yeah. Uh, and I guess a lot of people would say that a new business takes you know, a year plus to find its feet. So we're there in, what, nine months or so, Phil? Yeah. So we're busy. We're busy and... Yeah, it's doing all right, but it's, it, it took a little while to get going. Now it's, it seems to have a bit of momentum. So is, is the ambition to have enough business to keep you two busy? Or do you have an ambition that you, you're employing many others to extend the service? Well, I, I, the latter. I think an interesting outcome of having engaged with several uh, clients through the fractional FD or fractional CFO type designation it is all we see is more evidence that supports the idea that the original concept of, of metrics is a valid one and businesses who, who can't afford the, the top talent or the best tools really do have an appetite for uh, consuming FP&A or business partnering or commercial finance type um, skills and, and resources. So actually, all the intervening work is, is proving that the market definitely exists obviously marketing and sales um challenges and funnels to one side but the the goal would now i think be to look into next year as to how to scale and and build out that service provision so that it becomes more of a more of a an as a service type engagement rather than our our time directly obviously that's going to need to be key to begin with but yeah we can have a very comfortable lifestyle working, just the two of us, and staying busy. Yes. But the aspiration from the outset was to build something that that we could scale. You know, not necessarily, it's not necessarily about growing and exiting and so on, but it was actually, you know, we we think there's a market here, and we think we could do something really interesting. And wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, mm, yes, this thing yes. to something something of, of note? Yeah. Like, talking about world domination by any means, but you know. Which I think has been very much the attitude that Dan and I have had with Grow and Grow CFO. We've, at the moment, we've got to the stage that both of us are pretty much flat out and we've got to look for support elsewhere. Don't know where it will go down the road, but, you know, our ambitions to touch as many finance leaders, finance directors, CFOs as we possibly could and help as many people as possible. Yeah. You've mentioned companies that can't acquire the, the, the necessary talent, customers that can't afford the necessary apps. So in the work that you're doing, well, what apps are you tending to use? Happy. Uh, at this stage, we are, we're not wedded to, but we do make uh, use of the old classic Microsoft Excel. Working in organizations on a part-time basis, we're working with a number of different ledger systems, ERP systems, pulling information from left, right, and, and center. And so as much as these organizations are often setting out on a journey of professionalizing their finance function, they're also not organizations that, that have strong, typically, 
data or strong information technology policies they've they've scaled in those support functions on an equally not hazard fashion but in quite a what's the word an organic fashion and so there can be an array of different thing data sources that you're trying to use to but to take the the fd the high level 10,000 foot view of the world and not get mired in the the day to day because not forgetting n- none of these organizations are engaging us on a full time you you don't have time and capacity to be lost in the weeds of the transactional detail you've got to have enough trust in it and establish that early on and pretty quickly but in in investigating those systems at the moment, the, the still the, the standard platform that works across everything is, is Excel. We upskilled early doors. We, we, went, we looked at Anaplan, we did some Power BI and so on, thinking that that would be a good route you know, to have, have something that would sit across a, a plethora of different accounting systems that, that we could almost use as our go-to tool. But as far as the reality is, when you go into these kind of businesses, they haven't invested heavily in systems and, it, and actually Excel is the most... It's the most adaptable way of, of pulling data and turning it into something useful, which is not the most dynamic answer that you might want, really. <laughs> no, and that, that's why I asked the question, because I could see that you might find some great tools that might allow you to do certain things, but you could end up spending all your life trying to integrate these great tools with some very poor systems to get the data in. And I guess that you've got to be in a position where... The key thing is producing a result to hand to the client in terms of some insight, as opposed to spending all that chargeable time just getting the data to look nice. Absolutely. So, you know, think back to our think to our corporate careers. You know, twenty odd years each working in in the corporate environment, and the number of those businesses that have invested in you know, all singing and all dancing systems, and yet ultimately you spend majority of your time still working in Excel. Because I don't think I've worked for one organisation. I've worked for some pretty lumpy companies, but I haven't worked for one where they've got a really slick, very reliable, you know, super functioning system that produces all that information for you. That you always have to extract something and manipulate it and, and create reporting or whatever in Excel. For all those wonderful adverts you see on LinkedIn offering these great systems and that do all these wonderful singing things, you think actually. <laughs> Fundamentally, it always comes back to the spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah. So you're working for multiple clients using spreadsheets. There must be a big risk in there of, of data errors. How do you ensure the quality of what you're producing? That partly comes through the experience over the years of having built these models multiple times, built in the checks, and obviously reusing some of that intelligence gathered learning from from the mistakes of a career because let's not kid ourselves that we haven't made some along the way no, of um, course we have. probably rather not mention bill <laughs> no no but but well, I, I can't remember the adage but uh the worst mistake is the one that you learn nothing from or yes uh, something like that. so yes a lot of experience comes into play there and Equally, I think another reason why an offering like like ours makes more sense than potentially hiring a more affordable but very junior and inexperienced management accountant perhaps into an organization, because that's when I made the mistakes in my career. I know, because that's when you learn the most in those in those early days. And and so to put 
the responsibility of a business and the sorts of activities that we're talking about on the shoulders of somebody in a role like that, then you know the reliance um, you've got too much reliance on potentially something somebody without the experience. But yes, ensuring Excel is correct and triple checked against whatever your source data is 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 a part of uh, certainly everything that I build or, or use. Just going back slightly would say that engaging there are certainly organizations who could make use and when i'm talking to leadership teams and and planning with them thinking and talking about where they might leverage one of the new generation of more affordable cloud-based integrated type planning tools or a a range of, of tools but it hasn't actually just been part of any of the particular engagements so far, even though system implementation migration is actually, as I said, something that I've done multiple times through through my career. Yeah, I suppose there comes a point that you've been producing things for a client for a while, using a spreadsheet, creating a dashboard there, and they want something that's, that's more automatic, more permanent, that there's possibly a sideline to think about in implementing some of these systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing that fascinated me about this was that you'd you're effectively doing the fractional CFO FD role. And many of the fractional folk that we talk to have had big long careers in corporates and are probably looking as a, a sole trader to do a couple of days a week for a couple of clients as winding down into retirement. And I think what was fascinating me was that, well, you two are doing something completely different. You're trying to build a much, much bigger business than that. So where do you think metrics will be in, say, five years' time? What do you think it'll look like? Interesting. I think, I mean, I guess our aspiration here is that it will, as we said, everyone would have scaled. Um, we'll still be delivering the fundamentals of what we talked about. We've we've got some plans for how to expand it, which I think we might be keeping under wraps for the time being. Thought you might be, <laughs> but I I, th- I genuinely believe we think we've found a genuine market requirement for our services. And you're right, we're not end of career um, by any stretch. We're probably at the midpoint, but we're well experienced. We're capable of what we do. So I would envisage finding similar, similar kind of individuals that want to come and try and do something a bit different, um, something quite rewarding, which is ultimately why we're doing it. We're finding we're getting a lot more, a lot more input and a lot more satisfaction out of working with the smaller businesses than getting lost in a larger global corporation. Yeah. which is, I think, where we'd probably grown a bit, I was going to say bored, shouldn't say bored, but maybe we'd grown a little bit frustrated with, with our career. So I think where would metrics be? I would like to think we're operating on a, on a much larger scale with a wider group of people of senior mindsets. And maybe that FP&A terminology will be slightly more embedded in the SME world by that point. Maybe, maybe we can make a difference with that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but... Think back for a moment to that conversation over a pint of beer. Mm-hmm. Got all of these ideas going. Now, if you were going back and you were talking to your two selves around that table with hindsight, 
what advice would you be giving to both of you as you're having that pint of beer? What have you discovered in the last 12, 18 months that have been useful to know? Mm. Do it sooner. The stereotypical characteristic of an accountant is to be risk averse of finance directs, directors to be risk averse you know we're, we're on that side of, of protecting organizations and thinking about things in in a in a certain way that perhaps isn't quite as pushing the boundaries as as some other professionals might be you know that pervades your kind of character and and how you respond to situations and so i'd, I'd probably have said given the experiences of the last 12 months that don't be afraid to take that risk and push forward with some of those ideas because actually dedication, hard work, knowing where you're going and keeping on pursuing a, um, an endeavor will, will actually go a long way to bringing it into reality. And so, yes, acting probably a little sooner on, on some of the, the steps that we could have taken. Mm. Yeah. I think if we could go back with, if we could go back in time and give ourselves the advice that, based on what we know now, we would probably be a good maybe three, four months further ahead in, in our in our game plan. Just because, yeah, to Phil's point, it's it was such an unknown. We took a leap. We, you know, we took a big leap, and it's been a steep learning curve, and we're getting there. Uh, in fact, you know, it's, we're certainly not there, but we're, we're making good inroads now. But I think we could have been there quicker. To Phil's point, if we maybe had a bit more confidence in, ironically, we were confident in what we were doing. We weren't maybe as confident in actually getting it out there and, and selling it because it's just, it just didn't come naturally. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's huge lessons. And I think that over that period, you two will have grown enormously in confidence, in ability, and in, in general stature within the community that you're you're working with. Yeah. Chaps, it has been fantastic to talk to you today on the Gross CFO Show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin.